Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. If my people, not though you can't expect the people in the world to pray and cry out to God. They want nothing to do with him. But there's enough people in this country, in this land, that if we would just come together, not in one place, but in our hearts, in unity, and cry out to him. And I believe there's many, many Christians that are crying out to God for a move of his spirit, for a change, for righteousness to come, for God to have his way, for whatever, however you want to put it. But we need to cry out to God. It's because the heart of God is for revival. Call it what you will. Call it a revival, a renewing, a visitation, an awakening. I mean, you know, you can and you can argue about the technicality of what each one of those. But basically, God wants to revive us. God wants His His way and His will to come into the nation, and that's what we're praying for. And what happens? What happens during those times of visitation, during those times of awakening, during those times of revival? His presence, I tell you, we've seen it. His presence and his works become uh, paramount, become very pronounced to the point at which they dominate people's lives. They dominate church lives. And hopefully, ultimately, they can even change, bring changes to society. You know, uh, I've read about revivals. I don't know if you have. But one of the most amazing to me is, is the Cane Ridge Revival. It took place during just about the time that Finney was ministering, during what they call the Second Great Awakening. Cane Ridge, was it Kentucky? And they came, from, they came for thousands, by the thousands and thousands. They came to this, this remote part of the world. It was the wilderness. There was nothing there. There was just some few cart trails. So they came by horse and buggy. They came by covered wagon. And there was no running water. There was no facilities. There was no restaurants. There was no plumbing. There was, I mean, there was, they just camped out. They came by the tens of thousands because God was moving. And, and word got around that God was moving, and they just came and came and came. Finney, in the days of Finney and his revival. You know, the Welsh revival with Evan Roberts, a tremendous outpouring. Actually, it was started by a group of young people that just got, began to pray and cry out to God and pray and cry out to God. And God moved in such a miraculous way. You know, it, in the past and, and even in, recently, my wife and I, we've been to what we would call revivals. You know, we went to Toronto. Uh, we went to Brownsville, which was in Pensacola in the mid-90s. And uh, we went to the Lakeland Revival down in Florida. And I would say that at each one of those, I personally was not, uh, did not experience something uh, out of the ordinary, you know, like the shaking, the laughing, being slain in the spirit for two hours under the power of God. Nothing like that happened to me. But I tell you what did happen. Uh, it put a desire in me for it to happen here. God, I don't want—I don't want to have to go to Toronto. I don't want to have to go to Florida. I don't want to have to go. I don't. I want to. I want it to happen in Rome, New York. Why can't it happen, God? And, I, and this is my prayer to God so often. God, why not? Why not here? And why not us? Why not? And 
I just want to stir that in you, so that, but not so that we can become famous, uh, but so the, the people in this city, there's so many people that I meet, and I, I, I wonder, I don't, know the, I don't know people's hearts, but I, I wonder, it's like, do they really know you, Lord, or are they just going to church somewhere and trusting in their own goodness, trusting in the fact that they're a good person, thinking that being religious and going to church and being a good person is going to get you to heaven? They're missing it. So many times people are missing it. And I want them to experience the reality of a supernatural God. I want them to realize their need for him and be saved. Uh, and for those who need healing to be healing. For those who need a miracle to be touched by God. That's what I want for us. That's what I want for not just for us. I want it for this area. I want to, I want to see the people in Rome, New York, and this region change and touched. But we and I just if I believe if we just continue to cry out to God, God will move. He'll move. He'll, he moves for the heart cry of people. Years ago, there was a, a preacher named Leonard Ravenhill, and he said this about revival, and it always stuck with me. And I think it's a real truth. He said, the reason why we don't experience revival, for the most part, is because we are content to live without it. We're happy with what we have. We're satisfied with what we have. If you're going to have revival, you have to have some kind of a dissatisfaction. Not that we're not grateful for what we have. Not that we're not grateful for what God does in our midst. But we know there's more, and we want more. You know, we want, and, and so often when we think of our revival, Excuse me. I felt a sneeze coming on. You know, when, when a sneeze is coming, there's nothing, there's not much you can do to stop it. You know, I'll just tell you, this is a funny story. I sneezed once, right at the point of takeoff when I was flying. And, and you can't keep your eyes open and, and you jerk. So I'm, I got, when you, when, you, when you take off on an airplane, you reach a certain speed and you just bring the nose up a little bit and then you wait for the airplane to get enough speed and it'll fly off the runway all by itself. And so I was just about there, and I, boing, <laughs> I bounced and off I went. <laughs> but it was just, you know, and you, you can't do much with it. You got a mask on, you got to let it rip. So praise the <laughs> Lord. Uh, memories, hallelujah. <laughs> Where was I? Thank God. But Leonard Ravenhill, you know, because we don't, we don't want to be content. We want more. We want more. We want all that God has for us. You know, we, when we picture revival, we picture like uh, full-blown uh, revival, you know, like multiple meetings, and manifestations of the Spirit, healings, miracles. <clears throat> but I'm not so sure. I mean, a revival can just kind of all of a sudden happen, boom, you know, like it did in Toronto and other places. But sometimes I feel like God, um, when we're believing for revival, it's like God plants a seed in us. You know, it's like, some, it's like somebody said, we're, we're asking God for an oak tree. God gives you an acorn. And then he, and he sees what you're going to do with it. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to plant it? Are you going to nurture it? Are you going to pray? Are you going to continue to cry out for him? You know, it, are you going to have this? It starts with a desire, a desire for change. You know, kind of a, a bit of a frustration with, you know, church as usual. Again, I'm, I, we're thankful for what we have. I'm very thankful for the people of God in this church. I'm, I'm so grateful. I really am for what God's done in our lives, in, in our marriage, and with our children. I, I can't tell you how grateful I am, but I just feel like God does more. And God is watching us to see if, we'll, if that will allow that desire to cause us to pray and to pray and to pray and to pray. Will we respond to that tug of the Holy Spirit? 
will we respond? It's creating a desire in us to just totally sell out to him. That's how it starts. It starts with a seed. And, uh, and God wants to come and change everything. Hallelujah. And always remember this. When, when revival breaks out, people tend to focus on the manifestations. But it's not about the manifestations. It's about him. It's always about him. And something else, when a revival breaks out, you got to be real careful. You don't start thinking that somehow you're special, that we're special, that our church is special. Well, I tell you, we're not special. God is special. The only one who deserves the praise and the glory is God. Nothing happens without him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And there's going to be, if when revival breaks out, you have to understand, too, that there's always opposition. You know, with Pensacola, down in Toronto, in Pensacola, it was a lot of shaking, a lot of laughing. People didn't like it. Uh, in Lakeland, it was Todd Bentley, just his personality, just a very different kind of a person, characteristics. And But people always come and complain, and people get blessed. Some people get blessed, and some people just come and complain. Hallelujah. Oh, Ramasakababienda, God, we desire you. We desire, Lord, for you to move in our midst, to move, Lord, to have your way. Hallelujah. Once you've tasted it, once you've tasted revival, I tell you, there's something that's in your heart that you just can't leave. In the parable, in Matthew chapter 25, is the parable of the talents. The man was going on a journey, and he gave some money. He gave what they call talents to his servants. To one he gave five, to another he gave two, and to another he gave just one. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me. The one, the one who he gave five made five, and the one who had two made two. But you know, what I was thinking, in order for five to make five, in order for two to make two more, you have to take a risk. But the one who had one was afraid to take a risk. He, he just wanted to protect what he had. And sometimes when revival comes, you've got to be willing to step out and take a risk. You can't just protect him of what you have. You can't say, this is as far. This is as much of God as we want. We have, to, we have to be ready to step out and do something that we've never done before. And God will bless it. Hallelujah. I watched a documentary the other night on monarch butterflies. I tell you, this is the most amazing thing I've ever, I've ever watched in my life. A butterfly in and of itself to me is a miracle where a caterpillar crawls into a cocoon and comes out a butterfly, a whole different, like a whole different thing. That blows me away. But let me tell you about the monarch butterfly. It, it, it migrates to, these, to this mountainous area in central Mexico, like millions of them. I, they showed a picture. There's like 30, they estimated 30, 30 million monarch butterflies in this forest region. They all gather there. How, you know, how they get there, God knows. I mean, they fly, obviously, but, but how they get there, they, God knows. But here's what happens. They migrate from Mexico to Canada. But they can't do it in one generation. It takes four or five generations for them to get from Mexico to Canada. The one generation is born, it 
becomes a caterpillar, it turns into a butterfly, and it takes it. They only live for about two or three weeks. So they go as far as they can, and then they die. They, they mate, they reproduce, they die. The next generation goes a little bit further. The next generation goes, and finally, the fourth or fifth, by the fourth or fifth generation, they're up into Canada. Now, the generation that's born in Canada, go figure. <laughs> I, tell you, I don't know how evolutionists figure this, how can I explain this? The, F, the, the generation that's born in Canada is just a little bit bigger, but they're genetically different, and they're strong enough to make the trip all the way back to Mexico. They fly all the way back to Mexico in one generation, and they can't reproduce until they get there. When they get there, something happens in their bodies. They're able to reproduce. They reproduce, they lay the eggs, and, the, and it starts all over again. The, the generational cycle starts all over again. How do they know? How does that happen? Oh, God only knows. It's unbelievable. That each generation would know, the four, four generations would know to keep flying north, and that one generation would know to fly south and find its way back to that same area of mountains in Mexico. But what that is, it's a multi-generational uh, migration. And I wonder sometimes if what God is doing in our midst is multi-generational revival. In other words, take a generation, inspire them, encourage them, motivate them to pray, to do as much as they can, and then hand the baton off to the next generation and have that generation start where you were and go further and have the next generation start where you are and go until they reach the goal, the final big outpouring of God. I, you know, I, I'm not sure that that's what's going to happen, but I just, I really wonder how far I, I can go as far as I can go. But I'd love to see full-blown revival in my days. I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to see it or not. I can't make it happen, but I can only pursue it with all my heart. I can only go after it with everything that's in me. Hallelujah. It's multi-generational. We're going. Not just one generation can always reach it. And that's why sometimes when I talk to people uh, about their own life and walking with God, I very often, not only preaching, just counseling with people, I say, you know what? It's not just about you. Your, your life with God, your walking with God, it's not just, it's about your children, it's about your grandchildren. It's about them finding God because of you and knowing God and ending up in, in eternity in heaven instead of hell because of your influence, because of the life that you lived. That's why I want to take it. I want to take, I want to, I want to go as far as I can go with God. Our children, our grandchildren need to be living, knowing that there's a destiny that they have in God because they're part of this church or because they're part of this family. Not that they all have to be. I'm not saying they're all going to be in ministry. I don't think they should be. I don't think they're going to be. But they have a part to play in what God's doing in the earth. In Proverbs chapter 14, in Proverbs 14, in verse 4, it says this, Where no oxen are, the manger is clean, but much revenue comes by the strength of the ox. What is that? Where there's no oxen, the manger is clean. Where there's no revival, everything is clean and nice. But when revival comes, get a shovel because it's going to be messy. And it always is. You know, here's one thing to remember. With every revival, there's always some mistakes made. There's always some faults. There's always something people can complain about. You know, it's like politicians. You know, a politician promises uh, certain things, and people like what he says, so they vote for him. Then he gets in office, 
And then he can't do what he always wants to do because there's other politicians, there's Congress, there's the Senate, there's the President. You always can't do what you want to do. And next time you're up for election, people can pick you apart. They say, well, you said this and you didn't do it. You said this and you didn't do it. And I thought, yeah, when you get elected, it'll be the same thing. You said this and you didn't do it. And you said this and this. So there's, with every, there's always fault finding. There's always something you can find fault with. The key is when I go, to, when I attend, when revival comes, will I focus on the faults? Will I focus on, the, on things that are wrong? Not that we shouldn't address them. The leadership will address them. But will I, or will I be so hungry for God that I just want to say, God, I just want all that you have for me. No matter how, what it takes, no matter how far I have to go, I'm going to serve you, Lord. I'm going to go after you with all of my heart. I'm going to ignore I'm going to ignore the, the enemy that's trying to keep me from you, and I'm going to pursue you with all of my heart. Thank you, Jesus. Revival comes to those who are hungry for more of God. Oh, God, make us hungry, Lord. Make us hungry, oh, God. Let us taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, this may not be a very good example, but I remember one time when my wife and I lived in Newburgh, New York. This was our first permanent assignment in the Air Force. Now we grew up in we grew up in New England, and neither one of us had ever eaten things like Mexican food, Chinese food. All we knew was you know just good old American for hot dogs and beans and spaghetti and pizza or something. I'm not sure, but but just American food. And when we were in Newburgh, New York, we we met some friends, and they invited us over one night for a party, and they served some Chinese food. And my wife and I, it's like we put it in our mouth, it's like, oh my God, where have you been my whole life? You know, I mean, it's like, it, once we tasted it, once we tasted it, we, it, put, it did something. We, we, we couldn't just put it aside and say, that's it, I'll never eat, I'll never do that. No, it's like, let me, I want to do it again and again and again. And that's what happens when you taste the power of God. When you taste something, it's like it puts something in you and you can't get away from it. And you hunger for more and you pray for more and you live for it again. And you cry out to God for it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter stands up and preaches, listen to what he says. Acts 2.17. And it shall be in the last days, God said. We're in the last days. We're in the last of the last days, I believe. We're 2,000 years further along than the last days when we started in the day of Pentecost. And it shall be in the last days that I'll pour forth of my spirit on all flesh, on all mankind. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I'll pour out of my spirit on those days and they shall prophesy. God says when, when the spirit of God starts moving, it's going to fall on everyone. It's going to fall on young and old. It's going to fall on rich and poor. It's going to fall on male and female. It's gonna, it's God is no respecter of persons. Anyone who wants to be in on it can get in on it. In Jesus' name. And the, and just back up a couple of verses, but you know what happened? The, the Spirit of God fell, and a, a mighty roaring wind, and the, uh, the apostles stood up, and they started, they started uh, speaking the goodness of God. And it says in verse 7, this is the, in the, the crowd came, and in verse 7 it says, They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all these speaking Galileans?
How is it that each one of us hear them in our own languages? And, and they list them all, all these different languages that they were speaking. In verse 11, Cretan and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues speaking the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued to be in amazement and great perplexity and said to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they're full of sweet wine. This is, this is like revival. This is what revival is. Some are amazed, some are confused, and some are complaining. <laughs> no one's happy all the time. But that's what God does. But those who want it, got it. And 3,000 were saved. Those who were touched by God and received what God wanted for them got more than they could ever imagine. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I don't know when it started in me. I'll just finish with this. I'm not so sure that my hunger for revival started when we were in the Capitol Theater in the 1980s. I think it started in the fire barn. It started when we went to Toronto. Like I said, we went to Toronto. We went to Pensacola. We went to Lakeland. I didn't get a real touch from God, but I got something in me, something that sparked a desire for me to, for us to have it here where we live. I had a hunger for more. And I wasn't even sure what more was, but I had a hunger for more. God planted a seed in me, and I can't get away from it. I've said it for years and years. I'm, not, I'm thankful for what we have, but I want more. I believe there is more. I want God to impact my life. I want God to impact my wife and I. I want God to impact our family, our church, this city, this region. And I get frustrated. I really do because I want every service to be the best we've ever had. I want every service to be better than the last. And it frustrates me sometimes because I want his presence. I want his anointing. I want his glory. And I don't sense it to the degree that, that, that I want it. You know, I, I sense it, but it's like, God, I know there's more. I know there's more for us. And I want, I want the more. I want the more. And I'm going to continue to pray for more. I'm going to continue to cry out for the more. I'm, I'm going to thank you for what we have, but I want more in Jesus' name. I want to be impacted by his presence. I want, I want everything he has for us. Thank you, Lord. So I, I pray that God would put something in you. I pray God would touch every person in this, in this church and plant that seed in them, that they also would begin to say, God, I know there's more. I want more. I'm pressing for more. I'm pursuing more. Whatever it takes, Lord, I give you myself. I'll go as far as you want me to go. I'll surrender everything you need me to surrender. I'm yours, Lord. Take me. Use me for your glory and birth revival through me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I pray that's your prayer. It's my prayer. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you hear us. Thank you, Lord, that you're a God who answers prayer. Thank you, God, for moving in our midst. Thank you for manifesting yourself, for demonstrating your glory, for your presence, Lord, for your anointing. Bless us, Lord. Let the world know that you are God. Let the world see, see you, Lord, in your greatness and in your glory. Let them come to you by the thousands and thousands, that they may know your love, that they may know your peace and your joy, and that they may spend eternity with you in heaven. Convict them, Lord, of their sin. 
Convict them, Lord, of their self-righteousness and bring them in a humble place to your presence. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.